Hello, welcome to You Don't Know Mojack. My name is Ryan. My name is Brent. And this episode, we're discussing SST 115, the second whaler by Firehose, the album Ifin. It's a huge album for me. Uh, Brent, you and I were big Firehose fans. Uh, you could say we're Firehosers, Ryan. We're totally Firehosers, yeah. <laughs> And we are totally fire hosers. We we did the Raging Full On record at episode 79. We had Ed Crawford on. Everyone should go and check that out if you haven't already. If and for me is just it's just a continuation of great fire hose music. I, yeah. I can't say enough about them, so I'm super pumped to uh to talk about fire hose. And don't forget, Brant, we have to pronounce fire hose with a lowercase f. Mm-hmm. And an uppercase ire hose. So that's don't, right. Don't forget. I never do. Okay. <laughs> I, all in my notes here, I have it written that way. Even. Yeah. Me. Too. Well, yeah. my. I guess mine might be. I just can't read my own writing. So whatever. <laughs> hey, can I hit you with a couple of spiels first? Hit me. Okay. Spiel for the dudes. Okay. So this week, the theme for my spiels is box sets. Oh. Ready? I'm a big fan of box sets. Oh yeah. So, Are we talking CD box sets? Uh, a mixture. Okay. A mixture. Okay. So the first one is a box set coming out on Drag City Records by this band No Trend. Mm-hmm. So No Trend, they are described as, and this is on Drag City Records website, release uh, announcing the box set. Quote: The most toxic, iconoclastic band of the era and they were they were a like a noise hardcore band from the early 80s and they're kind of they're described now and then as kind of like a cross between pill and flipper so you know i like that and their their first album too many humans has been long out of print and they're releasing that with both versions of their teen love ep a CD with demos and two live shows, and then just a ton of inserts and quote reproduced ephemera, hmm. unquote. And uh, this is a band that also they they were from Ashton, Maryland, and so they kind of frequented or were loosely associated with the DC scene as well. But they uh, they put out a bunch of stuff. This is their early stuff. It's great to have a collection in a box set. I can't wait. Already ordered. See, I don't know. I don't know anything about No Trend. Uh, you just told me more than I already know about them. I I know Michael T. Fournier's band Dead Trend, <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know No Trend. I know I've heard the name a lot. So yeah, which what, this is their early stuff. What yes. What's the good stuff? The early stuff. I think you would enjoy this. I'm hoping by the time you come here, um, I've got it. We can check it out. Okay. Here's a band that you are familiar with. A new Buzzcocks box set is coming out. Oh. It's called Sell You Everything. And it's uh, it spans the, the post-Reformation years from 1991 to 2014. Ooh, that stuff's it's, expensive to get, like on vinyl yeah. for sure. It's on It's on Cherry Red. It's Man, Cherry Red. I'm sorry to cut you off, but they've been putting out some amazing compilation box sets lately. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah well, I, this is no, this is no different. And I mean, I have 80% of this, but I still have to get this box set. It's an eight CD box set, 160 tracks, 29 previously unreleased songs. It's got the entire 1991 demo album. I've only really read about that one. I've never heard it. But then it's it's this era, right? Trade test transmissions, all set, modern, self self-titled, and a different compilation. That's the the re-recordings album, and then their last record, The Way, and it's all on a, a sweet looking box set. Hmm. Cherry Red's knocking it out of the park, man. Selling CD box sets to old dudes like us. <laughs> yeah. Hey, my CD player still works. Yeah. What man. are you gonna do? Okay. You're going to load it up full of box sets. That's what you're going to do. <laughs> That's right. Um, so here's my third one, though, on the theme of box sets. This one is in need of a box set. Here, That's mm. what that's what this one's about. And we've met... Rain Sanction. <laughs> no, uh, that would be good, though. Are you still listening yeah. to Rain Sanction? 
now and again. Did you check out One Spot Fringe Head? Oh, just you wait for my spiels. Okay, excellent. Okay, yeah. so I better finish this one up. Um, needs a box set. We've mentioned it before, but man, the Happy Squid family just keeps on putting out awesome stuff. Um, the last one that I just I I just saw it like on some website or whatever, but Hundred Flowers have got a new seven inch called Fascist Groove. It's the first hmm. release by Hundred Flowers since the Drawing Fire EP from 1984. It's got John, John Telly Jones, Kel Johansson, Kevin Barrett, and Vetus Matari's on this one as well. Awesome. It's limited to 300 copies on uh, Space Case Records. And I went there to try and order it. You cannot order it if you're from Canada. So I, I emailed and the dude Moore hooked me up and uh, it's in the mail and I can't wait to check that out. But man, there's there's so much stuff that those dudes have been putting out, right? Like Danny and the Doorknobs, Trotsky. And, and when you go back and listen to their all stuff, they've kind of got what, um, what Zappa used to call conceptual continuity, where it all it all kind of fits and is related this happy squid and even leaving trains like we did last week too right so so who needs a box at happy squid records yeah, or 100 flowers uh both all of it oh, and i think okay. i think last time we mentioned it i think we suggested that numero ought to do it but maybe cherry red should do it maybe that's it man i'm out maybe okay uh speaking of selling old punk rock to old dudes did you see the new book coming out on bazillion points which is that one it's called texas is the reason the mavericks of lone star punk mm. it's coming on february 29th so i guess by the time this episode comes out uh it's now it's not about the band texas is the reason is it or is it about no 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 it's about texas uh bands yeah no it's <laughs> it's from uh, this photographer pat blashill uh, with essays from a bunch of people, including Teresa Taylor from the Butthole Surfers and David Yao. And it's photos of bands like the Big Boys, Dicks, Butthole Surfers, Poison 13, Scratch Acid. Are you writing this down? Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> I got to get this book. I know I do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Here's another thing you should check out. And maybe you know this band already, Ryan. If not, this is a recommend for you. They're called Arbor Labor Union. Do you know them? I don't. Okay, so they're a post-punk band from Georgia. Uh, their debut uh, was called Sings For You. Uh, and the, I think that came out around 2015 under the name The Pine Cones. I haven't heard that one, but they changed their name um, and put out a totally killer album in 2016 on Sub Pop called I Hear You. They have a brand new album, just came out in 2020. It's called New Petal Instance. It's on this label called Arrowhawk Records, and it's awesome. And I can hear some Minutemen and Firehose in it, too. So check that out, Arbor Labor Union. Okay, I know uh, Thinking Fellers Union, but not that union. No, no, this is a different local. Different union? Yeah. Okay. okay, I wanted to mention this to you. I'm a big magazine guy. Have you seen this, Ryan? It came out on Third Man Records. It's their quarterly magazine, Maggot Brain. I didn't know Third Man had a magazine. It's brand new. This is the first issue. Oh, cool. It's really cool. It's got some great artwork. Here's a nice full-page ad for Kim Gordon's new album, for example. It's got some poster art in it. It's got a big thing on Alice Coltrane, an interview, old interview with the Swell Maps. Is that Alice on the cover there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. What else did I like in here? A thing on Mia Zapata of the Gits. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, no reviews in it, which is fine because I read enough magazines f chock full of reviews anyways. It's a little artier. It's cool. I, I enjoyed it. It looks nice. Was it expensive? Yeah. Uh, it was like 15 bucks or something like that. Oh my God. For a magazine? Oh man. I pay all, already pay that every month for Shindig because it's an import and ugly things is like 15 bucks. So. Wow, man. Well, I know where to borrow it from. That's right. <laughs> Okay, a few more. Here's my very quick Red Hot Chili Peppers update. I went snowboarding this weekend, Ryan, and I put Stadium Arcadium in my headphones. And, you know, I read a little bit about this when I got back, and apparently John Fruscianti was inspired 
by the guitar playing of Omar Rodriguez Lopez and the Mars Volta while they were recording this album. And I know that I'm pretty sure they toured together. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's the only time I've seen the Chili's live is when the Mars Volta opened for them. Hmm. Well, that's a good one to see him on. Um, so I was like kind of struck by the guitar playing. Basically I was, while I was shredding the mountain, I was listening to John Frusciante shred. Cause he, he really tears it up on this record in a really good way. I told you, man, you got to hang in there for yeah. stadium Arcadium and wait till you get to the Josh records. Yeah. I was really impressed with his guitar playing. Uh, I do admire any band that's ambitious enough to release a double album that far into their career. It's admirable. Uh, it was good. I didn't love it or anything. I don't think I'll buy it, but better than the previous two though. Right. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. Yep. exactly. Keep with it. Yeah. Okay. I will. Okay. Real quick. I'm going to save my one spot fringe head spiel for next week. Cause what? I do want to mention, oh. I'll leave you in suspense, right? I need to know if I'm going to get some street cred here. <laughs> I do want to mention, we got a, a great reaction to our interview with Sam Merrick. People really love Sam and they love the leaving trains. And one of our listeners, Larry DeSilveria, I think is how you pronounce his name. He pointed out that Tom Waits gives Falling James a shout out on the Rain Dogs track, Gun Street Girl. That's cool. One, two, three, Falling James in the Tahoe mud. Stick around to tell a tale. And well, he fell in love with a Gun Street Girl and now he's dancing in the Birmingham jail. Rain Dogs. Rain Dogs. Solid record, man. Yeah. All right. We're moving on. I'm going to leave you in suspense on one spot. Ugh. Am I going to get street cred? Or are you yeah, gonna... yeah, you're getting street cred. Okay, right on. If I, if, I, if I didn't like it, I would just shit all over it and then... <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. I can't wait. I hope, we're, I hope we're still friends in a week from now. <laughs> hope so. Yeah. Uh, let's get into this record, Ryan. Let's do it. History lesson, part one. All right, man. So it's Iffin. It's a great record. Uh, we're probably going to gush a fair amount. At least at least I am anyways. I just assume that you love it as much as I do and as much oh, yeah. as... Yeah, it's, it's, it's so good. Um, a couple of things that was interesting to me, though, as I was starting to dive into it this week, again, like way different than usual, there are a, a fair amount of uh, reviews out there that are like not that favorable of this record. Oh, really? Yeah. And there's also a couple of reviews that I found out there that were like really harsh on Ed, actually. I was like, what? Yeah. So Trouser Press, for example, is is not that favorable of this record. I, very critical of Ed. So I don't know, man. Ira Robbins is really losing street cred with me. He, man, that's just not right. Look, Ed just has an amazing voice and it, the, his songwriting on this album is next level. But like the, the reviews I read, like I've got a few here from spin and uh, CMJ. Yeah. So I saw, I saw the spin one. That one's good. There's a few that are like, Hey, in, in Andrew Earl's book, give me indie rock 500 uh, underground. Yep. Yep. He doesn't even mention it. Uh, well, uh, some of the good reviews I mentioned said that they, it was building on you know, it was more structured and then, uh, raging full on more realized. Maybe that seemed to be a, a common thread in some of the reviews I read. Listen, here's from that CMJ, um, new music report. This sets the record straight right here. The first line of the review fire hose may never have happened were it not for the efforts of its singer guitarist, Ed Crawford. There you go. Wouldn't yeah. even have happened. Yeah. Well, no doubt. Hey, what about that spin uh, article, though? I mean, I thought that it was so. So this was the point I guess I was going to make is the spin article, like the few that I found that were pretty harsh on Iffen and Ed in particular. I think they fall prey to this point that's made in the spin review, right? It says, um, this is the reviewer. Sometimes I think the best way to approach Firehose is to pretend that the Minutemen never existed. Only because comparisons between the two are unfair, disingenuous, and inevitable. And I think that that's true. 
I think yeah. that people were really pumped when Ragent Full On came out. And then when Ifen came around, they're just kind of like, ah, now I'm going to start shitting all over Firehose because it's cool. Well, it's not cool. I, I don't know. I love this album. We don't, I don't even want to give any time to people who don't like it because I just, I don't understand that. I really don't, man. Like, I can look at things pretty objectively. I don't understand how you could not think this is an amazing album. Agreed. So we should mention too, like the, the name Ifen is from a Bob Dylan song, hey? From yeah. from that song, Don't Think Twice, It's All Right, from the Free Will and Bob Dylan. And it's, yeah. a, it's a lyric, well, it ain't no use to sit and wonder why, babe, if and you don't know by now. You're not going to do it in a Bob Dylan voice? Heck no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the did we actually determine if this is true, that the name Firehose, I'm sure we talked about this last time, comes from a... That's also a Bob Dylan reference. Thing. Yeah, I, I mean, I saw it a few times this time around too. So there's, yeah, it's it's either, it's either legit or it's enough of a rumor that it sounds legit now. Yeah. Um, but I, again, I do want to note that there are some people out there that are huge fans of this record. Um, I caught an interview. Uh, from Ryan Adams, actually. And it was around the time of that Do You Remember podcast that came out on Husker. Right, yeah. And he wrote an article. They What they did is um, they went around and asked people to write about Husker Do at that time. That's around the time of the uh, Numero box set. And Ryan Adams wrote an article called Husker Do Left a Map for Me. And... There's a quote in there from Ryan Adams where he says he's remembering Husker Du, but he goes, I even knew the singer's picture. He's talking about Bob Mould, um, how it graced the cover of the Firehose album, if in, quote, a record beyond crucial to my life. Yeah. Unquote. And I, that's that's totally it, man. That's if in. Yeah. Oh, this is a this is. This is up there for me with Rage and Full On as like a, you know, a real nostalgia album for me, for sure. And just like Ragin', just can't help to sing along to like every song too, right? Oh yeah, man. Yeah. Yep. Hey, here, check this out. This is from Brian Long. Remember Brian? We had him on our Dos Domin episode. Yeah. He he did radio for SST, and. I think it was a couple of weeks ago we were talking about how Firehose was, you know, the biggest college radio band of the 80s. It was from your, you were quoting from that book, Shredders. Right, right. Okay. I'm glad you remembered that. Okay. <laughs> I'll lend you that one too when I'm done with it. No, no thanks. <laughs> okay. This is what I got from Brian Long. He goes, if this doesn't set the record straight, Ryan, I don't know what does on, on how awesome this band was. Ah, Ifen. There was an incredible amount of anticipation for this album from the college radio community. Rage and Full On was such a great album and story that it really took hold at the format. The band had done their customary hard touring in support to fantastic response, so the bases were loaded when Ifen came to bat. I remember the record was delivered in the fall and came out very quickly. November, perhaps. Sometimes was the perfect album opener and quickly became a college radio staple. If I recall correctly, the album rose to the number one spot on the CMJ chart shortly into 1988. The CMJ editor called to congratulate us as it was their first chart topper from an indie label. Major labels were throwing relatively a lot of money and perks at the format, but Ifen really just shot the, to the top because it was real. The hype was real. The love for Mike, George, and Ed was real. Yeah, man. Hey, speaking of touring, I dug up this one book that I kind of forgot I had. It's called Hell on Wheels, a tour stories compilation. Have you ever seen that one? No, never. So there are a ton of chapters in here. They're basically tour stories by bands. It's got all Big Drill Car, Buffalo Tom, Bottle Surfers, Circle Jerks, Coffin Break, wow. Descendants, John Doe, Doughboys, Dwarves, um, some really obscure stuff like Ethel Meatplow, <laughs> um, Minuteman, Naked Ray Gun, Rocket from the Crypt. But there's a chapter 
from Mike Watt. And I thought I'd spiel some Mike Watt tour stories from around the time that Ifen came out. Okay. Are you, are you ready for a couple of these? Heck yeah. So he's got like about eight or eight or ten of them in here and he titles them all here's some titles of ones that we're not going to go through one's called gun fun one's called turd house and another's another's called chow heave um, we're not doing turd house no we're also not doing knee pop here's the here's the first one that we're going to do it's called head flame <laughs> And this is this is uh, Mike spieling about some fire hose touring. Um, he goes, the day before fire hoses, Hod Koa tour in the spring of 1987, my parked VW van caught fire with my head in the engine compartment. Luckily, when my head caught fire, I yanked the Laker T-shirt I was wearing over my head, and this extinguished the fire. Un- unluckily. I had to start a six-week tour the next day and had to play with my ear, nose, lip all burnt up and full of pus. After each gig, Davo, our sound man then, would purge the bugs in my sores with hydrogen peroxide. The burning and boiling from this chemical reaction was intense, but I survived both the burns and the tour with a few scars. Kids at the gigs would think I was dressed up like Rambo for the show with my bandages, (laughs) wounds and all. Jesus. Okay, you never heard that before. Here's another one. It's called Bass Snap. He says, during the Little Big Tour in the spring of 88, Firehose played Charleston, South Carolina, where I bought the Salmon Rushdie book, The Satanic Verses. That night, I used a strange bass for the gig, a Hagstrom, which is made in Sweden. In the middle of the set, the headstock of the bass just snapped off while playing, sticking splinters of wood into me with the force of the fracture. After the gig, the Rushdie book was missing, disappeared. I never tried to get that book again. One does not fuck with Allah. <laughs> here's And here's the third one, again, from the same era. Uh, this one's called Ball Swell. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Here we go. In the middle of the bum rush, the side mouse tour, winter 88, Firehose was playing Milwaukee, Wisconsin with Dose, me and Kira's two bass only band. The Dose set was bad enough, but after two Firehose sets, yep, we had to play twice that night. I was nearly dead with fever and chills. The next night in Chicago, after a couple hours of sleep, I awoke to find one of my balls had blown up to the size of a softball. It blew my mind. We dropped Kira off at the airport and drove to Champaign, Illinois. Immediately after we hit town, uh, we took me to the hospital and the doctor said somehow I contracted something from a bladder infection. For the rest of the tour, three more weeks, I had to keep a hot water bottle constantly on the ball. <laughs> I was I was chafed like a motherfuck when we finished. <laughs> yeah and and it just goes on there's more there's one called there's one called uh mouth flame and uh that one i think we'll we'll get to when we do the from ohio um <laughs> record but yeah i forgot i had this book and i was like dang watts got some good tour stories from around this time but they toured their balls off man yeah did you dig up any on the james worthy tour um, that one didn't jump out of this book. What's that one? Well, that was the big tour, I think, in 87. Oh, okay. And, uh, I found some interesting stuff on that, especially, well, here's an article I found from the, uh, Michigan Daily. It's da- dated Tuesday, November, November 3rd, 1987. And they, the James Worthy, Worthy tour was Firehose and Slovenly. Uh, let's see. There's a package deal heading our way tonight in the form of another one of those SST Records fame style famous double whammies, Firehose and Slovenly. Um, they're playing at the Blind Pig. They're interviewing Tom Watson, and he says, Slovenly, they're talking about James Worthy, who was a basketball player for the LA Lakers. Uh, speaking of Lakers jerseys or whatever. Um, 
Tom Watson says, Slovenly and Firehose are both basketball fans, although I'd say it's most it's mostly Mike Watt explaining the title of their double tour. We're more Lakers fans, though, and James Worthy is a great figure. We're also playing his hometown of Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and it all kind of fell of to- fell together in honor of Worthy. We love the Lakers. Yeah, man. Worthy's out with his tomahawk. Take it to home, he- make your mama talk. That's right. I hate to burst a bubble, but Triple Double Trouble is coming to your town and it's going to make rubble. Now we're talking about some good Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh, yeah. Sure. Okay, here's another thing Tom Watson says in this interview. Watson has high hopes for his band, their next LP, and of course, basketball. We're thinking of getting an SST basketball team together, possibly playing other record labels. We'd like to play Homestead. (laughs) (laughs) Why not? Why not? And then I found, speaking of Mike Watt Watt tour stories, I found this article on this website called deadspin.com. It's a pretty hilarious interview with Mike Watt where he talks about taking a bass to like a record, uh, a, a signing event with James Worthy where he's like, people are in line to get basketball signed and White ta- Watt takes this bass, <laughs> gets James Worthy to sign it. And he's like, he's like, it's like at a car car dealership. And he says, this dealership was handing out little fucking basketballs for people to sign. I think it was the day after the championship and he's signing these things. And I'm the only fucking one in line with a base. Watt remembered his hands were as big as Bootsy Collins. Watt said of (laughs) were these meat hooks. (laughs) Anyways, he tells this whole story and it's pretty, pretty funny. So there you go. There's the James worthy tour. And I'm pretty sure they thank James worthy in the, in the thank yous here. Firehose thank you lists are always. He's number one. Yeah. On this one. Heap of yeah. thanks. James Worthy. There you go. In front of Sonic Youth and the Me Puppets. <laughs> what? In the, in this article, I just referenced the dead spin or whatever it's article. He's talking about Mike Watts t- talking about how basketball is like punk rock. It's huh. the same thing to him. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Well, hey, let's let's talk about if and though a bit in terms of where this record came from. There's a, a really good summary on the back of the jacket, actually. Um, it says, if and was recorded and mixed during September and October of 1987, 85 hours total at Radio Tokyo. Mike Watt and Ethan James produced it. Ed from Ohio helped. Ethan James engineered it. We've heard all these guys before. Richard Andrews assisted by sometimes engineering. Ed did the guitars and most of the singing. Mike did the bass uh, called the Thunder Broom. Yes. Yes. Plus the speaking parts on uh, a number of the tracks. Hurley did the drums. Same kit as always. Ethan James played piano. Um, there's a couple more people on here. Frank, we'll talk about those when we get to the tracks. Dirk Vandenberg is on here. 85 hours, September, October, 1987. And then it came out, like according to uh, Brian Long, it came out like right after that too, which is impressive. Yeah. They must have been like queued up once they finished mastering it, like go to the plant and press right now. Well, they probably had a tour booked. Chuck probably had them booked, ready to go. Yeah, you know. Yeah, for sure. Let's do these tracks, Ryan. History lesson part two. All right, let's start the second whaler. Yeah. Sometimes we already mentioned that this is like the opening track, and obviously it's just so killer. The yeah. sliding bass um, throughout the song, Ed's voice, um, the marching drums, beats those breaks throughout the song it just has got everything yeah written by ed crawford all-time classic great rocker to get the album started love that rumbling bass line like when that part with the toms interesting i noted there's no psst promo single for this release but uh this track is on a 12 inch ep is it a 12 inch or a 10 inch maybe both what this the sometimes EP? Yeah. Oh yeah. No, we'll get to that at um, SST one thirty one. 
Yeah. It's definitely 12 inch. There's even a CD of it. Maybe it was put out on 10. Yeah. I have the CD of it. But yeah, I thought it was interesting that there was no promo single. This definitely would have been the single. And uh, this one, um, Hear Me and Windmilling are also on that Santa Cruz Streets of Fire skate video that we've talked about a few times. Yep. Yeah, just a killer opening track. And Hear Me as the second track too, like, it just keeps it going. Yeah, that one's written by Watt. Um, This one almost has like rapped verses. The lyrics are total Watt. Lots of Pedro speak in there. And uh, it got me thinking about that Public Enemy song that they cover on the live totem pole EP sophisticated bitch. It kind of reminded me of that a little bit. You know what other two amazing tunes they cover on that live totem EP slack motherfucker and uh, a butthole surfer song. Oh man. I, you should actually be mentioning mannequin by wire, but and BOC, I think they cover. On yeah. Too, they right? do the red and the black. Yeah. Yeah. But mannequin and slack motherfucker are just insane on that. All right. Uh, track three, Honey Please, written by Watt Crawford, another catchy rocker. Bit of a CCR vibe I heard in there. Uh, great solo from Ed, totally underrated as a guitarist, Ed Crawford. Yeah. Uh, very in- inventive playing from all the members. Uh, and this is the one, as you mentioned, Ethan James is on piano. Yeah. Ed is just killing it on the vocals on this record for me i i almost love singing to this record more than raging full-on because there's some serious wailing going on there is yeah um and speaking of which backroads is written by hurley crawford great lyrics from george on this one bit of a almost a loungy jazzy track great soundtrack for a sunday afternoon drive down a back road it's kind of what it sounds like to me and then one of the major standouts for me too, uh, from one comes one. Yeah. Written by Watt. This, uh, is the one that takes riffs from the, um, the dose LP, uh, new Alliance records 32 released in 1986 self-titled dose album. It's just called track or no, it's not track. Number one. (laughs) It's just called Number One. That's the no, name of the song. Number One, yeah. And speaking yeah. of speaking of shredding, Watt's bass solo on this song should get its own chapter in that book, Shredders. Yeah, I wrote this is Watt's all-time greatest bass solo. That's oh, what I wrote. Oh, for sure, man. And, and I just like, I lose it every time I hear it. It's just, I was, we were driving the other weekend and I was getting ready for this. And I'm like, shh, everyone listen. <laughs> and 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 no one cares but i was just yeah. loving it i liked watts lyrics too kind of reminded me of like something d boone would do try and prove this song by loading it in a central american american gun very uh i don't know it reminds me of something d boone would have would have written maybe oh yeah political for sure yeah then here comes making the freeway which has got Starts off with some cool, like, freeway driving sounds, but it also kind of sounds like the ocean as well. Yeah. Those freeway driving sounds are in stereo, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they pan it, hey? Yeah. It made me think of, we heard that on Painted Willie. That's how that album starts. 401, I think, is the name of the song. Oh, man. I forgot all about that. I think this is the first Firehose vocal we've heard from Mike Watt, too. What do you mean? Like, I don't think he sang on any Firehose songs previous to this one. Oh, no way. I don't think he did any singing on Raging Full On. Oh, I don't remember that. I'll have to check that too. Yeah, it's definitely like, and this is, we're we're getting into Mike Watt singing different than when he did in the Minutemen. He kind of started to sound like this near the, the later Minutemen recordings though, I guess. Yeah. yeah. But this is a like a really weird ominous bop kind of ambient atmospheric type of tune it it really fits well on side a for me yeah for sure uh, track seven anger written by kira and Watt. great lyrics from kira uh, just a reminder everybody i'm listening i'm sure knows this but her and mike watt were married from 1987 to i believe 1994 
Uh, she did some writing on Raging Full On, uh, also three-way tie for last, some on the next Firehose record from Ohio. Um, I like this one. It's cool how it's kind of disjointed, but then it goes into that big build-up at the end. I always like songs that do that. Yeah, no, it's got a lot of disjointed, dissonant angst in it, or maybe even some angst. Maybe. We flip it over, Ryan, and we get to one of my favorite tracks on the record. I don't know about you. For the singer of R.E.M., written by Mike Watt. Are you kidding me? This is... This is in, I don't know, top 20 Firehose songs. Easily. Yeah. Easily. This yeah. this is a track that I put on like a comp tape for my wife when we were dating. Like, you need yeah. to know you need to know this song on a comp tape to if you're gonna date me long term, kind of. <laughs> yeah, it's just a hell of a song. Uh, written by Mike Watt. Uh, the Minutemen's Last Tour, as everyone knows, was opening for REM. And after D. Boone passed away, R.E.M. organized a benefit for his family. Love the lyrics for this song. Oh, yeah. I'm probably going to screw this up because he kind of goes through them pretty fast. But some pathetic, lame aesthetic. Stoling Roan is famous for. Yeah. Is it? Is in Rolling Stone. I have to... I actually read the lyrics. I had my own for a lot of these songs. <laughs> so it's always interesting to actually read the lyrics. Close the drawer... Grab a fire hose, point it at the door, get it all wet, never forget what rock and roll is for. Ooh, yeah. yeah. You know, like, it's a it's a tribute to R.E.M., literally, for how good they were to the Minuteman, right? Um, but it also does harken back to some of those early R.E.M. songs. Like, this has got flavors of, like, you know, the Driver 8, for example. Yeah. And some of those early REM records are pretty darn solid, and they've got they are. they've got a similar type of vibe as this tune. But this song stands on its own, and it is classic. Okay, the next track, Operation Solitaire, written by Dirk Vandenberg and John Rocknowski. Both uh, were in Tragic Comedy, an album on New Alliance Records. It's New Alliance 14, uh, Tragic Comedy, homage to Nadia, uh, along with a guy named Richard Krieger a.k.a. Crane. Uh, Dirk uh, also plays drums and does vocals on the album The Rub, Day Off from Karma, 1999 on Happy Squid Records. Yes, that label needs a box set. Yeah, that's a great album too. I was actually listening to that this week. You know what else I listened to um, a couple of weeks ago is that newly released Rad Waste record, like that unreleased record that came out late last year. Yeah, that that's good. That's insane, man. I, what got me thinking of it is when Andy Gill from Gang of Four passed away, and I'm like, and you know I'm a big Gang of Four fan, but I'm like, hey, you know what record has elements of Gang of Four is that Radwaste record. I should put that on again, and I did, and it was like, yes. Yeah. So good. It is good. There is an awesome song on this album by The Rub called Be Yourself. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was listening to that this week, and I was just digging that and also um dirk was in d boone's hammer down with martin tamburovich and rob holtzman so uh dirk has collaborated with watt and hurley before with the minutemen on the toe jam take 5d the big blast for youth and as recently as 2018 with watt and raymond pettibone in sock tight yeah for me my notes about this song operation solitaire is that Ed Crawford rules the volume knob on this song. <laughs> I always like this song. This is another Watt sung tune. Watt's bass tone in this is killer. But check this out, Ryan. So I sent Craig Abara an email to ask him if he knew anything about this song, and he reached out to Dirk Vandenberg for me. Oh, Here. nice. So dig this. This is what Dirk had to say. John and I wrote this song after Tragicomedy had crumbled. We had the structure for quite a while, but I never liked the lyrics, so I rewrote them, and it was finally finished. It's about John Rocknowski's family members. Mike knew them and asked to use it. Of course, he had to put a minor spin on it lyrically, and his vocal inflections with things like Ma instead of My Mother with their version, but almost everything is as it was when we handed it over. So yeah, thanks to Craig for uh, helping me with that. And thanks to Dirk 
for sending that too. Cool to to find out kind of the where that song came from. Yeah, no doubt. Then we're on to like arguably one of the other massive ought to have been hits, windmilling. Yeah. Written by Crawford Hurley, more great George lyrics. I wrote this is probably the hit off the record. Yeah. Yeah. If sometimes isn't. Yeah. Uh track four, one that always makes me smile. Me and you remembering, written by Mike Watt. Yeah, it's a weird one. It, yeah. it almost could be an intro, but it's so yeah. it's so Watt. Yeah. It's gotta be there. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm sure you and I have reference this song like just in conversation like member? talking about something gone member member <laughs> member yeah and uh it for me the best thing about this song is it kind of is a good setup for one of my all-time top 20 top 10 top five firehose songs really wow in, me- in memory of elizabeth cotton written by ed crawford Always just loved this song, man. What a beautiful song, man. Yeah. Written about American blues and folk musician um, Elizabeth Cotton. She was left-handed but played a guitar strung for a right-handed player. So she played the bass lines with her fingers and the melody with her thumb, if you can picture that. And Uh, and like her forefinger. Yeah. Did you look up any videos? I, I, for the first time ever, looked up some videos of her picking and that lady could shred. Yeah, she really could. Uh, this was her signature style of alternating the bass, which Ed kind of uses on this song as like yeah. a tribute to her. And uh, it became known as Cotton Picking. Yep. <laughs> and uh, she passed away in June of 1987, so the year this came out. And at the age of 94. Her signature tune is called Freight Train, which Ed also references in the lyrics. And she wrote that song when she was 11 years old. And if you've never heard Elizabeth Cotton before, you should you should check her out. And the other cool thing about this song is Frank sings backup vocals on this one. And in the late 70s, early 80s, uh, Frank was in the L.A. scene with Nervous Gender, Castration Squad, and most notably, she was in Catholic Discipline. She's also in the Decline of Western Civilization movie as a guitarist in that band. Uh, she's got a bunch of solo releases starting in 1985 uh, on Stiff Records, a, an album called Folk Singer. The next song, are we done giving that one its due? I mean, I I don't even know what to say about In in Memory of Elizabeth Cotton. I just love that song. I never get tired of hearing it. No, me either. And yeah. you know what, what we haven't mentioned? Um, I kind of spieled about it earlier on, about like where this was recorded and who recorded it. This record sounds awesome it still sounds awesome and and the acoustic uh like the recording of this song in particular is just perfect for the vibe the subject matter everything for this song it almost does everything you need it to yeah okay the next track is soon another one uh for me written by ed crawford late album deep cut this one always gives me the feels Especially yep. when Ed goes, and soon you'll return to the place where you've learned Ohio. Yes. Love that part. Did you see how Ohio is written in the lyrics on the back? Yeah, it's all caps. All caps, man, with an exclamation yep. point. That's And that's like, that's definitely a feels giver. Yeah. Ed has such a powerful voice, man. Yeah. That dude. It's crazy. Dude, yeah. Ed, if you're listening, put out something. Yeah. And then we end with uh, Thunderchild, written by Watt. This is where the this is the Thunderbroom song, man. That bass tone that he has, or the Thud Staff, whichever you prefer. I always like the Thunderbroom, yeah. And uh, it's got a drum solo from Georgie. Oh, it's got also like the most typical Watt lyrics of all time. Yeah, for sure. It's a cool song to end the album. I'm glad it's on there, but it's a good. I'm glad it's last. You know, nice one. Yeah. Should we talk about uh, the artwork? Yeah, because it's got some great pictures. <laughs> yeah. Well, we should talk about the cover. Pretty iconic cover. Interesting, Ryan. Have you ever looked at the cassette of this before? No, I I actually have it on LP and CD. I do not have it on cassette. Yeah, I looked it up. You can see it on Discogs. I don't have it on cassette either, but it's different. You can see 
you can't see the photo of Husker du on the cover, but if you like, you know, fold out the tray card, you can see more of the photo to the right above the headboard. You can see a clock on the headboard. Oh, no way. And uh, it's 10 o'clock, by the way, when the, when Watt took this photo, unless his clock was dead. And, um, and, uh, there's like a newspaper or something with a bunch of property or something above the headboard. Well, now I'm looking in the F section when I go to the record store now in the cassettes aisle. Yeah. What else do we see on this, on this album cover though? Obviously it's pretty notable for the picture of Husker Du. Yeah. That's what Ryan Adams mentioned in his article. And this other picture above this, like, I don't know what it is. This, uh, it, it looks like a, a North American Indian with, that's what it looks like with like a maraca and something else in its hand. I always thought it was something Russian. Maybe it's a puppet. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's a deep cut. That's a yeah. way deep cut. Go back to my war. This is Firehose rocking in the photo above it. And I think it's the photo that the insert photos were taken from because they look like they're wearing the same clothes. Same clothes, same clothes for sure. Yep. Yeah. And then that's Watt sleeping there in the other photo, hey? Yeah. What's the one behind the doll? No idea. Yeah, someone's flying the flannel in it, though. Yeah. It's got the uh, the wicked ass blowout where your wallet goes, just like all my jeans. These, uh, these drawings inside the insert are done by Kira. Yeah, it's on the back of the jacket, too, eh? Yeah, I, have the, I only have the CD, which is cool that Kira did some artwork for this. Yeah. Yep. And then the photos, man, you've got, I've stared at these for hours in my life. Yeah. Yeah. You've got, um, Ed from Ohio playing his telly wearing a Sonic youth, Sonic life t-shirt. You got George with some mud honey beads on just jacked and sweating. Look at the unit. The unit is just flying. Yeah, man. And then Watts got some mud honey beads on too. And he's got the, the thunder broom. What does it say on his frets? K-O-R? Well, it might, yeah, it says K-O-R there. Hmm. I don't know what that is. He's got hell ride written on there. He's got like, like it's, um, it's a telly base, right? Or like, like P bases started out looking like tellies. And then this is like a telly slab base, I think. But he's got jazz and P base pickups on it with, just a whole schmozzle of photos on there and stuff. He's got hell ride written on there, but he's got like what looks to be a 30 pound brass, yeah. um, <laughs> like tailpiece that's aftermarket for sure on there on that base. And that's the thunder broom, man. The one thing on here says I changed my mind, I think in the where on the upper. Oh, Oh, I see. Yep. I changed. My I think mind. that's Madonna there. Is it, or is it like Grace Kelly? Maybe. There's a picture of Kira, though, playing that Rick, that blonde Rickenbacker 4001. Yep. Nice. And a puppy. Yeah. It's an awesome picture. Oh, man. So good. And it looks like Watts rocking a Galleon Kruger rig. So that's like, if he's got a badass bass tailpiece and a Galleon Kruger, he's going full 80s on his bass rig there. Yeah. Jim Leatherman took these photos. Yeah. Hey, and you know what I, I'm just um, tweaking in on for sure right now in George's kit is he's got that wicked Chinese in the foreground, that symbol. Right. He's got like lots of symbol dynamics on this record too, hey? Oh yeah, for sure, man. Yeah. Great stuff. Great album. Let me ask you this, Ryan. If you could only have one Firehose album, which one would it be for the rest one, of your life? Yeah. It'd be this one or Raging Full On for sure. You have to pick one. Yeah. It'd be one. Ugh. You know, the thing is, is that this album is a lot more dynamic for me than Raging Full On. And it's got like maybe more all-time classics, but Raging Full On is more of a rager from start to finish. And... I tend to like my ragers a bit more. I might go with raging full on. I bet you you're going to go with if and though. No, I'm raging full on. 
it for Are you? purely nostalgic reasons for me it goes the my favorite firehose albums go in the order they were released me too and and but uh, with but i will also add that like the last one Ms. mr machinery off operator is an awesome record <laughs> like that's not to say it's a bad album you know no, no. yeah yeah they're all good yeah oh i bet you a firehose like there was some miracle this is one of those bands we've talked about this before, but like if they got together again and put out a record, you know, it would rule. Yeah. Their, their stuff is like solid gold all the time. Yeah. For me. Yeah. We should probably just get to the ballot result. Ooh, that's, this is going to be a grudge match. Ballot result. You know what the thing here is, Ryan is this is it. There's no, Firehose compilation on SST. Yeah, but but don't forget, we will have the sometimes EP. Right, but that's okay. only got that's only got that song on it. Right, from this so, album. So so let's just agree that sometimes is not the ballot result for this episode. It's off the table. Okay. Now what? Well, I mean, well, you got to give it to windmilling for being a classic. You got to give it to from one comes one. I think we can narrow it down. I, I love soon. That's in the running. But I think just based on our discussion, we can narrow it down to in memory of Elizabeth Cotton and for the singer of R.E.M. Would that be fair? <sighs> From One Comes One would be in my top as well, just for the solo. Yeah. But but if you're going to knock it down to those two, I would go with for the singer of R.E.M. over Elizabeth Cotton. Yeah. We can do that because it doesn't really matter to me. No. I'm still going to have this record to listen to until the day I die, which oh, I which I will be doing. Until in the hospital bed, man. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be raging full on until the end on this one. Ryan, what's next week? So next week we've got a first for the show. We've got a record by Blood on the Saddle. It's SST 116, the Fresh Blood LP. And we've got a special guest. Yeah, we've got Greg Davis on the podcast. Great interview, cool record, a one and done for SST, I believe. I think that's it. Yeah, they put out a few after SST, but I think this is the only one, I agree. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, all at Mojack Pod. We post all kinds of info and tons of pictures of the bands and albums we discuss on the show. Our blog is mojackpod.com. Please check it out for some exclusive content. If you like what we do and want to support the podcast, the best way to do that is to tell your friends about the show. Subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes is also appreciated. We love hearing your opinions, corrections, and feedback, so feel free to post on our social media sites and send us an email to mojackpod at gmail.com. Thanks again for all the support, and we hope to see you next week.